What's going on, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, your host of Kicking Back, and we are back with another episode. Took a little break after the Olympics, obviously did things differently during the Olympics, but we're back here now with another episode, and we're getting back into a flow to bring you plenty of guests focusing on their stories, their careers, and uh, their current events, which brings me to my point. There are plenty of current events, and we thought getting back into this flow, getting back into our weekly flow with so much that is happening right now, uh, just after turning the calendar to September here in the National Women's Soccer League alone, never mind women's soccer period and and soccer overall. Um, Thought it'd be good to get back into the flow of things, taking some of your questions because there are plenty of them. And uh, we don't get to do that too often on this pod anyway, on our main podcast, the Equalizer podcast. Uh, Claire and the team do a great job of talking all different topics, obviously plenty of games that come fast and furious, but um, thought we would take some of your questions. So put a little bit of a feeler out on on Twitter for some questions, some topics, which I will address and answer as many as I can uh, in the time we have here. In addition to you know, some of them overlap, but in addition to uh, everything that's happening right now in the National Women's Soccer League specifically, um, which is plenty. But uh, so we'll try to hit on all of those and and hopefully get you caught up, not only on the news if you've missed any, but but really try to bring you some insight into into sort of what's happening uh, in the background with some of these things as much as I can anyway. That there is. Uh, plenty happening, and I think plenty that's still, um, certainly in some of these more serious events, plenty still to be determined uh, that we are, that I am, we are working diligently on reporting and, and bringing to you uh, completely and, and comprehensively and responsibly, and, and that takes time, obviously, so I think that's something worth reiterating. But going to start here with the news of the, the day uh, on recording it, officially today anyway, the news of the week. Um, as it relates to, I would say, uh, it's tough to pick one thing and, and maybe I shouldn't say the news of the week at this point because, uh, it's one thing after another, but let me start with this topic, uh, Tobin Heath signing with Arsenal. And I think that's the one that has probably resonated, uh, in, in across multiple spaces, obviously NWSL, FAWSL, US soccer, and it's, it's picked up some, some global traction and headlines as it should, um, as it did maybe a year ago, a year or so ago when she signed with uh, Manchester United. But Tobin Heath signing with Arsenal ahead of this FAWSL season, which kicks off uh, hours really from recording this uh, on Friday and kicks off this weekend more generally. And this is, you know, a big signing for Arsenal to a degree, obviously a very, you know, a very talented team already. I think this gives them that extra amount of depth, which you really need as you push for, you know, push in multiple competitions for trophies, right? I mean, the league title is always going to be an aspiration. And then there's Champions League, which is a stated goal of Tobin Heath in this move, um, at least from what I've gathered and um, reported on this uh, nine days ago at this point that she was weighing offers from Europe uh, specifically wanted to stay in England, specifically wanted to play Champions League soccer again, which right there narrows you down to three teams. Uh, Manchester City, obviously, in this early stage of the new formatting, locked into a tight tie with Real Madrid. Chelsea, a very full roster already. So just logically, um, from what I had gathered and reported, 
nine days ago already that uh, tend to actually be on that maybe almost two weeks ago at this point in our first reporting of it, um, that England was a preference, Champions League a preference. And logically, that narrowed it down to Arsenal and, and didn't quite have at the time the the hard and fast confirmation, yes, that, that Arsenal was the place. But um, I will say, as I've tweeted here, and I'll get this out of the way, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years. This was not a smokescreen. Um, could other things happen in the future? Who knows? Sure. But, you know, as confirmed by Arsenal themselves today, this is something that's been in the works. So um, there was no BS here. This is uh, something that, you know, I've been reporting on. Um, I know people wondering, why is only one person reporting this? And is this just a ploy for an NWSL club? Um, I'm bringing you you know, I filter these things out is is the best way to put it. So uh, I'm just going to put that out there confirmed uh, 10 or so days later by the club since I reported it and uh, appreciate all of the, the questioning of, you know, my reporting, that character, everything else. But um, I'll accept any apologies, but don't need them. But, you know, as far as Arsenal goes, as far as this signing goes, um, gives the depth, as I mentioned, for Arsenal and it's something that, you know, Tobin Heath, you look at her career. As far as NWSL goes, I do think that there was, um, you know, I think like many players in the past for different reasons, the way the NWSL is structured, the fact that Tobin Heath had no say in her time in Portland ending, which was a place that, that she had made home um, since the inception of the league, you know, I think that that, I, again, I don't like to speak for players and, and, you know, I think there's there's obviously always an inherent sort of reading between the lines, but I think that that kind of hit home uh, a little bit hard for her. Um, and obviously Racing Louisville still owns her NWSL rights, which is a whole other issue with the rights system in the NWSL and, and the, the issues that creates for players who want to play in a specific place, are free agents, but can't actually maybe play in that place, at least without something else happening. In the case of Kristen Press, we saw that that something happened, which was Louisville traded her rights to Angel City FC, and um, she she is Angel City FC's first player. But in the case of Tobin Heath, um, you know, Champions League, a priority, obviously some past experience in Europe uh, for her. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, I, I guess also a big point here, a lifelong Gunners fan. And, you know, maybe that meant uh, playing for Manchester City for that season. I don't know. She's a professional, so I don't think it was any any huge deal, obviously. But certainly, you know, I guess a notable thing that a lifelong Gunners fan, the way it worked out, Manchester United was the team last season, but the way it worked out this time, Arsenal is the team. And look, a team, I would say, before a ball kicks in this season, this new season, you know, a team that has, as ever, has a shot at the league title. I would say certainly has a better shot at the league title as things stand than Manchester United and is playing in Champions League, you know, and that's something that, again, was a priority. So as far as that goes for her, I think, you know, obviously a move she wanted. This was a move that that had been in the works for a little bit as it's now coming out, as that detail comes out. So, you know, I think... It can only be beneficial for her, for the club, as you know that depth gets tested. And I think you look at Chelsea, and you look at how Chelsea was chasing a treble, a quadruple, came up short, obviously, in Champions League, significantly so in that final to Barcelona, but won the league title. 
And this is a thing on the men's side, on the women's side, any league, any club. If you are in that sort of top echelon of clubs and you're chasing multiple trophies, you're trying to win Europe, you're trying to win your league, that takes a significant amount of depth and it comes with you know, things you can't predict, which include injuries, um, include a whole host of things, but injuries are, are one that I think can pop up that obviously you haven't predicted. So gives Arsenal a level of depth. Yes, a crowded roster, crowded even in that position, but um, I, I think we'll see plenty of Tobin Heath, and I think she will certainly be helpful to Arsenal. And, you know, any injury concerns, I, I think those probably got got answered at the Olympics for the U.S. and even before the Olympics when she came on in her return after six, seven months of a layoff and scored for the U.S. within a minute of entering the field off the bench. So, you know, good pickup for her. Um, And I think, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I I think I wouldn't rule out anything potentially NWSL-wise in in the future. Uh, The the length of the contract here is is unclear. There was a little bit of a a coy answer there from, from Arsenal, but... Um, for now, what matters is uh, she's an Arsenal player. Arsenal about to kick off the season with uh, a busy schedule, certainly. We've got Arsenal-Chelsea right off the bat, which is a big one. And um, excited to see to see where that goes. So I know a couple of questions in, in the uh, the questions on Twitter that I got about, about this Tobin Heath signing. So, you know, I think good for her, good for Arsenal, uh, good for the FAWSL. And if you're looking to watch it in the U.S., uh, again, plenty of ways to do that. Actually, a, a shout out to Atta Football, who um, is a, a partner of ours at The Equalizer that we've done some work with. And they've got a, a new streaming platform membership, and they've also got 57 games that'll be on NBC platforms, both on TV and digital. So uh, I'm sure you'll be able to see, even if you don't have um, tons of access to different things, you'll have access to NBC properties that uh, will show that. And I'm sure we'll see Tobin Heath and Arsenal on there, plenty. Let's talk about other signings, other transactions related to NWSL and even with a little bit of an FAWSL tieback, at least to players who were in the league. Last year, we have, uh, as I mentioned before, Kristen Press, first Angel City FC player arriving there. Uh, Her rights had arrived from Louisville, uh, from Racing Louisville, and uh, announced on the same day as Freya Coombe was officially unveiled uh, which the Equalizer first reported as Angel City's first coach. Um, Angel City was also fine because they announced that before the contract was actually signed. Um, so uh, an interesting caveat there, but but everything played out uh, for a very specific reason on that front. But uh, minor detail, I suppose, for the general public that yeah, Kristen Press is Angel City's first player and uh, a great player to build around, frankly, on and off the field. You know, I think a top forward for the U.S. still and and somebody that um, will be, you know, be built around a top player in this league historically, you know, really one of the best goal scoring productions on a a per 90 basis when she's played in this league. And, um, you know, a player that with her L.A. roots specifically, you know, she's coming home. Um, L.A. roots, you know, her popularity, I think certainly, you know, the brand that Angel City is building can only help uh, as far as that goes as well before they kick off in 2022. So very, very good signing for Angel City there. Interested to see where it goes from there in terms of the roster build out. That roster will be built by, uh, at least from a head coaching perspective, Freya Coombe, uh, along with sporting director uh, 
Eniola Luko, who comes over from, from England herself as well. Uh, Freya Kumhire, an awkward one in the sense of timing, certainly. Um, she comes over from, from Gotham FC, so a little bit of that Gotham Angel City rivalry, uh, which I don't believe in contrived rivalries, but when you poach a coach from uh, that that team, I, I think the LA-New York rivalry will develop pretty quickly there. So Coombe initially was announced as maybe staying on, or initially announced as staying on uh, through the 2021 uh, NWSL season here with Gotham. Um, I had reported that did not actually look likely, and and here we are a couple of days after the announcement that um, that was not going to be the case, that Freya Coombe saw out a couple of games, two more games for, for Gotham, and stepped down, and then Scott Parkinson, former Chicago Red Stars and Utah Royals assistant, stepped in as new head coach of Gotham and assisted by Bev Yanez, who is a longtime player in this league, widely respected, uh, totally really an unsung player in this league, and uh, a lot of excitement there for Gotham. So we'll see how that plays out right off the bat here as Gotham tries to steady the ship and even just make the playoffs for a team that looked like maybe a a shield contender at one point, just trying to get get on track and make the playoffs at this point. And uh, we'll see how Freya Coombe goes. You know, I think... It's an interesting hire uh, in the sense that, you know, there, there's not a lot of... Um, Freya Coombe hasn't coached a, a full NWSL season yet for a team. Is is So I think we saw a lot of positive elements from her in 2020. And in the early part of 2021, it's tough to know, you know, as of this recording, six games without a win, three straight losses for Gotham. All of those, um, the final six and three games respectively, under Freya Coombe. So it, it's tough to know how much of that was affected by what's going on or what has been going on at the club, which is, you know, Elise LaHue, Elise LaHue losing, um, excuse me, leaving the club, um, fired from the club uh, pretty abruptly in, in July as it ended up being, but that kind of dragged out. And then, you know, this Freya Coombe news, obviously mid-season, uh, a team that was seemingly getting their feet, and then mid-season they get this news. Um, my own sources and reporting, they had this news a couple weeks back. So the three straight losses, at least, um, here recently, uh, all three of those losses, the team knew about you know this impending departure. So I think you have to look as as you know human beings that they would be affected by that news, right? So how much that played a factor, you know, I don't know. Um, I think you have to assume some somewhat of a factor. The three five two formation was toyed with in that time span as well, and uh, I would say rather abruptly there by the sounds of it, and it didn't necessarily work out. And obviously a mid game switch there in that road game against Portland last week. So, you know, I, I think interested to see how things get built out at Angel City, how they go, and we're not going to have that answer for some time. But just to the point, you know, Frey Coom coming on. Very late in 2019, first on really an interim basis for Gotham. 2020, a bit of a wash based on the pandemic. And then 2021, off to a great start. Didn't see that through. So um, 2022, Angel City will be first full season in charge is is the plan, obviously, for Freya Coombe. So interested to see where that goes. And again, on the transaction front, and then we'll get to some off the field stuff, which I know a lot of you have asked about. Abby Dahlkemper coming back to the league. She is with 
the Houston Dash for 2021, the remainder of the 2021 season. A lot of confusion about this. Frankly, um, the explanations have all varied. So, you know, in terms of what do you call this, that that still remains to be seen uh, to a degree. My impression is, um, well, let me put it this way. We've had two coaches call this a loan. Loans are not permitted in the NWSL, within the NWSL, I should say, between teams in this league because of the single entity structure and every contract is signed with the league. The, the league has what's called a standard player agreement, which you sign with the league, and your contract is with the NWSL, and then your rights are assigned to a team based on how they, you know, based on various different mechanisms of how they acquire those rights, basically. So um, that's why there's no inter-league loans. So both Paul Riley and James Clarkson had called this a loan very explicitly. Um, I'm told it is not a loan, but it effectively is. So I do think there is a question that's unanswered here of kind of a, a work around the rules that is uh, maybe not technically a loan being called a loan, but is still... Um, effectively and and in the spirit of it alone uh, that obviously works around things. But I think the point here is that uh, you had a player who uh, is coming home, wanted to be back in the States and had a two and a half year deal with Manchester City that, you know, is uh, we're not clear on. I'm not clear on exactly. My assumption is that that was uh, mutually ended, but I don't have that for sure. But um, effectively, six months of those two and a half years were, were played out and she returned. Her rights were with the North Carolina Courage and they were traded at least for this 2021 season to the Houston Dash in return for 25000 in allocation money and future performance incentives. And that's where I think some of that confusion comes from. So a little bit of uh, to be determined, watch this space as far as that goes. But um, I think the point here, a valuable depth addition for Houston uh, which she debuted, Abidal Kemper debuted for the Dash on Wednesday in a 1-0 loss to the Rain. And, you know, they're going to need some depth as they too. I think, you know, at one point, maybe a Shield contender now just kind of fighting for the playoffs. Playoff battle is tight. So, you know, that's not necessarily like as negative as it sounds, but certainly I think the Shield, I would say, is probably out of reach at this point, but, but who knows. Um, you know, but I think we will see exactly how that goes. But as far as Abby Dahlkemper goes, you know, back to playing club ball, I think, is the important thing for her. And then um, I guess I'll watch this space for for what the future holds. But, you know, to that point, I'll, I'll shift gears to some of the questions I've gotten for this podcast and some of the off-the-field stuff because she was asked about it. Um, it's a trend in everything I've talked about so far in this pod with with Tobin Heath and Kristen Press and their rights being drafted by Louisville last year in the expansion draft with Abby Dahlkemper wanting to come home. I reported on that situation for literally months at this point. And at one point, the signing, the re-signing, the return to the North Carolina Courage almost looked as a, like a formality, inevitable. She was uh, in Raleigh at one point, um, which... The courage, or at least Paul Riley, I think, made no real secret about. Uh, it was a little bit coy, but you know that that looked inevitable. And then um, a various amount of things took place, and the, there was no agreement reached. Part of that was the most the most obvious thing I would say: she was still a Manchester City player, 
And I know from, from various sources that Manchester City was rightfully looking for a fee. I don't think that happened in the end, but there were a lot of complications there. And it played out in such a way that North Carolina eventually, after all of this developed, was not an option, um, even though they held her NWSL rights. So I think they got um, what they could in the short term for her. They seem to be happy with whatever the long-term play is. And uh, But look, uh, one of the questions here from uh, somebody on, on Twitter, Woso, uh, asking me, what are the logical next steps to free agency? This is a theme in all of this, because I think if you have free agency or freedom to choose for at least some players, you know, Abby Dahlkemper, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, two of those three are back in the league. Does Tobin Heath return to the league if she has some freedom to choose? I don't know. I can't answer that. That's very hypothetical, but I'm going to say it's definitely would be a positive factor towards something like that developing. And free agency, I mean, I've reported on this. It's on the table in the CBA negotiations, the collective bargaining negotiations between the NWSL and the NWSL Players Association. I've asked Lisa Baird directly about this, and she conceded in in a public press conference that they seem to be working on a path towards some level of free agency. What are the logical next steps? To be honest, I don't know that you can take a a step or a baby step toward free agency. You can. MLS with a similar structure has shown that as they've worked toward more freedom for players and um, you know essentially a restrictive free agency, which in MLS started out as a certain threshold of experience. How long have you been in the league? How long have you been tenured? Um, does that then grant you the right to be a free agent? So the way that started, it was very selective and it has grown a little bit. Um, and I think we could potentially see something similar in the NWSL from the get-go where, it, you know, let's take Tobin Heath as an example. Hey, you've been with this league, with one team in this league from inception, from the start of this league, um, you know, if you want to play in a specific place, if you want to see out your your career in that same place, that you have the right to do that uh, without being forced to go somewhere else. I think that, you know, in terms of steps, having sort of a a veteran exclusivity, for lack of a better term, might be a step. I don't think it's the best step per se, because I think, you know, uh, younger players deserve the right to sort of uh, define their future as well in this league. But I think my my most direct answer to this question, what are the logical next steps to free agency? I think it's just timing. I mean, I'm sure there will be restrictions on it if we get it. I think we will get it, but I'm sure there will be restrictions on it. But I think it's a matter of timing because it's September now in 2021. Even if this CBA gets done for the end of the year, which depends who you talk to on that front, you know, it's really hard to implement something drastic like free agency for the 2022 season because the off season starts immediately. We've got an expansion draft in just about three months, three and a half months. You know, teams are planning for 2022 and beyond, really. We've seen contracts go well beyond that already, but teams are planning for next season already. So to suddenly introduce the concept of free agency for 2022, I think would be difficult, but you know, maybe it's a matter of getting it done in time right now so it's there and everybody knows it's going to be there for 2023. I think that's really the, the part of the next step is when do we get it? 
and and what are the restrictions on it so that's probably uh, my best answer there and and thank you for the question definitely I would say among many things a, a very big and important question to the broader picture of player rights and and an ability to choose an employer I mean you and I most people listening to this we have the freedom and ability to choose an employer do they have the ability to hire and fire and and suspend and whatever sure but um, you know, we do have a say in, in where we work. And uh, that's not necessarily the case in the current setup of the NWSL. So I think the, the broader player rights issue is is certainly in a very important one, maybe top of the list. And it manifests in what I just talked about in free agency, but it also exists player rights um, in a much more serious manner, which is what, um, you know, no surprise, a lot of questions that I got here about that about that broader topic, which um, was asked about um, Scott Weyer asking me about some of the off the field drama, um, you know, some other some other questions here uh, about, uh, I think, Petty Crocker at, um, I don't know what the at name is, but Petty Crocker here on Twitter um, asking me similarly, what can the spirit do? Uh, reg- what can the league do regarding spirit ownership? And all kind of hits to look. It's been a busy news week. Uh, we haven't recorded kicking back in a little bit. Uh, as I said, this has been addressed is being addressed on a weekly basis on the Equalizer podcast. So please go subscribe to that. Claire and team doing a great job, uh, and this podcast will shift back to um, the sort of interview format. But certainly should have a news hook or, or a relevance to it. But um, we haven't recorded one in a couple of weeks, and a lot has happened even in the past few days. I mentioned the dog Kemper news. Um, we've had. Uh, Richie Burke is no longer with the Washington Spirit, and a lot of drama there since developing, and, and some great reporting on the from the Washington Post on um, an ownership power struggle between Steve Baldwin and Y. Michelle Kang. Of uh, they both own an equal percentage of the Spirit, and there is a power struggle there as uh, Michelle Kang trying to uh, by reports trying to or attempting to purchase. Steve Baldwin's uh, share in the club to become the majority owner. And at least according to the Washington Post, there was a a verbal agreement there potentially to make that happen before things changed. And just the night before recording this, more news from the spirit that Ben Olsen, longtime DC United player, then coach, uh, brand ambassador, Mr. DC United in many ways, is the new president of the Washington spirit, which is, is apparently and and seemingly based on the press release a Steve Baldwin hire a Steve Goff reporting that that was made uh, without Kang in the loop which is look it's an untenable situation to have uh, equal part owners uh, not communicating and um, trying to buy each other out not not on the same page so I think there has to be a resolution here soon on this um you know, I think there is, there's clearly, it's an untenable situation. So, um, you know, Steve Baldwin was quoted in that press release and, and Kang was not. Um, so I think that was obviously notable and, you know, the Ben Olsen hire, I don't know, you know, it, it very locked into the DC scene. Obviously I think there's, it's, it's potentially, you know, given what's going on at the, the spirit, I'm always a little bit torn here because I don't think, if somebody, say Ben Olson in this case, if somebody is qualified for a job and um, is very much can bring something to the table in that position and seems like the best hire, then that person should be hired. 
Is there a lot going on at the Washington Spirit and potentially some ongoing tone-deaf moves in many ways that should be a factor and, and maybe should be a better factor and, and should be uh, an indication of listening to team's fans? I think that's also something at play here. So it, it's a tough one. I don't think it should be taken out on a person who maybe deserves a job. I do think maybe um, in the grand scheme of things that uh, spirit ownership, I should be clear, ownership at a high level has not necessarily been, uh, seemingly not been listening to fans. So uh, Petty Crocker with the question, what can the league do uh, about spirit ownership seems slightly different than the Deloy Hansen incident in Utah, which because there wasn't a violation. Yeah, look, it is different. Um, in the case of Utah, Deloy Hansen was the person being uh, accused of, implicated in the scenario of uh, toxic behavior, racist, sexist allegations. It was the owner himself. Uh, in this case, those allegations are, at the moment, all against Richie Burke specifically. Now, you know, is there some level of enabling um, of, of obviously who's been making hires, um, you know, all of these things of, of turning away from a problem. I think those are all very good questions. They need to be asked and addressed in whatever this league investigation is, which we haven't heard much about. And, you know, I, I the way things have gone, I don't expect to hear much publicly about. But again, we will um, try to diligently report on, on the situation. You know, so these are different scenarios is the short answer there. But, you know, clearly um, the last Spirit home game just a few days ago, Spirit fans um, were holding up signs and chanting that they wanted Steve Baldwin to sell the team and um, a lot of a lot of drama there. Um, and, you know, look, we are at this point in this league where there are a lot of, there's a confluence of factors here of what fan bases want, what fans want to see, what they're asking for, uh, what they feel like they're getting in return or not getting in return from the league and from their teams specifically, from their ownership groups. And I think we are at a real inflection point. We have been, and this isn't a one-day thing. It's not a one-event thing. I think we're really in a year-long, season-long type of inflection point. And, you know, this podcast, back in December, I had Lisa Baird on, and we talked a lot about how much the league was planning for Season 10 and the celebration that it is, and a potential rebrand, a potential... Um, a potential celebration in different ways. There's a lot to figure out there. And it should be a celebration that this league is at its 10th season. I should say season, not year, but 10th season. Um, but with that being said, you know, there's a lot to get to, um, to get on the other side of this, this real sort of inflection point of a year, this real uh, reckoning of a year in so many ways. And part of that really needs to, and that, 10th season celebration needs to incorporate these things from fans, from uh, media, frankly. I think we've tried to responsibly point things out. And um, internally, it's a really an internal look. And, and from voices inside the league and inside these teams that maybe have been not listened to, shut down, or forced out even because of some of these problems or, or um, have not been listened to in the cases of some of these problems, and these situations, I should say. So, you know, I think the next few months are going to be really critical in how celebratory that 
that 10th season feels because some of these things need addressing before we can really uh we should celebrate that that the league is at 10 seasons because of the how the shortcomings of previous leagues and even getting to this point and feeling like there is stability from a an overall league standpoint that this league isn't going anywhere it's not folding tomorrow you know but um i think to celebrate that to feel good about celebrating that there's obviously a lot more that needs to be addressed and i think the the other news item that is also from this week uh, and the hits that just keep coming on that front. Christy Holly is no longer the coach of Racing Louisville. He was fired for cause, is the quote-unquote for cause from the statement. Look, um, again, still responsibly trying to report this out, but, you know, there are, um, I think the, that being in the statement alone raised some eyebrows. Um, I've seen some local reporting um, as far as uh, trying to confirm at least what this was or was not. And and have through sources have have found found out similar things of, you know, the visa issue that's hanging over. I would say multiple people, which Holly was a part of Sky Blue at the time. Um, Sky Blue, um, excuse me, Gotham now really hasn't necessarily addressed this. I have asked them about it previously in in the winter, and um, this is an unresolved issue. This visa fraud issue, as far as Gotham and Holly are concerned, among others, and and even the the Boston Breakers, who are now defunct. So um, it does not appear that is the cause uh, from everything that I've gathered from sources, uh, from some local reporting as well out of Louisville. So that is that is not the cause, though it is an unresolved issue as far as he is concerned uh, at the moment. Um, I saw the report of a toxic environment. That is obviously a, a pretty broad stroke and, and can be a little bit vague. Um I, I think that is from what I'm hearing, and I'm not trying to be coy here because I think, you know, we've talked about this with the Elise LeHue firing with the Richie Burke situation. There's a lot that has to be, uh, you have to make sure is correct to responsibly report, but toxic environment, I think is, is, um, a part of it is what I've gathered. Um, but still trying to report that out. But, you know, again, that being, the case, and, and I can confirm there is not actively, as of this recording, a league investigation. Um, I think that is, and I'm aware of the fact that there's not, that is not the case because uh, Louisville act very swiftly on this. Whatever this was that finally was a, a nail in the coffin here, Louisville leadership found it out and swiftly fired Christy Holly um, to the effect that the announcement was made within maybe about an hour and a half from my understanding of the players finding out. So this happened very quickly, gives you an idea of maybe how serious the allegations or, or findings were um, and are. And, you know, the fact that this is related in such a way, and I want to be clear too, no situation is the same. No one situation is the same. They can all be concerning, certainly, but... I have found this out. I think we have found this out through reporting as much as we can in different ways. You know, Elise LeHue fired, and we have confirmed. Uh, my colleague Dan Laletta got this confirmed at the time. Um, Anti-harassment policy in place there, uh, a complaint there to the league in the Elise LeHue firing. Um, same deal of the anti, same deal, I shouldn't use that term, but but same in that anti-harassment um, claims um, and, and issues filed um complaints to the league filed 
uh, in the Richie Burke situation. Not the case yet or as of now in the Christy Holly situation, but the fact that potentially toxic environment, you know, these things are all uh, potentially in the same wheelhouse there is a concern for the league. And I think, you know, we really need to see maybe some details shared on that front within reason of protecting potential victims of what's being done about it from a league perspective as these investigations get concluded. So um, a lot more to be determined there. Again, I think if you follow us on EqualizerSoccer.com, subscribe, and we will have as much as we can there. And then the Equalizer podcast, which drops every Tuesday morning, uh, will address these on a weekly basis as these things come up. And um, as I said, you know, this podcast here will uh, look to go back to the the weekly format of a guest that could be, as this news all develops, uh, a guest who also talks some news with me in current events, but um, also telling some stories here. So um, look, this is about our length of time. I, I do have some more questions that I would like to get to, and I will try to pass some of these on that I haven't been able to get to to uh, Claire and the team for the Equalizer podcast, because I think there's some fun questions here, uh, but a lot to unpack. And I I don't want to, um, you know, enough to unpack in each of these that they'll take some time. And I don't want to, don't want to drag this pod on. So um, appreciate you all sticking with us. I know we've been, we need to get back to our consistent schedule and kicking back and continue to bring you guests. Please drop me a line. I'm at Jeff Kasouf on Twitter. You can drop us at Equalizer Soccer on Twitter for, um, Drop us a line with who you want to hear from on this podcast on Kicking Back. We'll get back into the guest flow and uh, continuing to try to plan to bring you guests from across the globe, really relevant guests. And, uh, you know, that's, I will say, a challenge for sure for many reasons. Um, Podcast scheduling, guest booking can be a challenge for uh, many reasons, good, bad, indifferent. And, um, you know, that is just the very active booking guests to... News developments can obviously affect that as well, and um, we've kind of dealt with some of that as well. So apologize for the slight inconsistency in scheduling, but we're back. We are back. We will be back. And uh, stick with us here. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Helps us a lot. Appreciate you all. Appreciate the questions. We'll try to address some of the ones we didn't get to in the near future. But um, until the next Kicking Back, I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, and I will see you again soon.